0: Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code RELEVANTRADIO and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com.
1: Fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
0: Hey, welcome to Friday, and welcome to The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. It's March the 24th, 2023. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Once again, 888-914-9149. We have a fantastic show lined up for you, and I can't wait to jump in. Pelosi pontificates yet again. We'll talk about that. Real exorcists speak out about Russell Crowe's new movie, The Pope's Exorcist, which is coming out next month. But right now, just in time, just in time for Friday dinner, you might be just leaving the office, you might be in the car, you might be in a drive through right now, for all I know. We're going to reveal the Great Lenten Fish Sandwich Rankings, because it is a Lenten Friday, so stay away from that meat. I'm going to rank the fish sandwiches that are on the market. Yeah, maybe not exactly the at the most expensive uh, dining establishments, but fast food. There's actually another word for it, which I'll explain in just a minute. going to rank them. Might make your uh, dining choices a little bit easier. Once again, the number to call: triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. And you can call in and tell me what your favorite is for twenty twenty three. Now we we did this a couple of years ago with Christine Roussel, who at the time was writing for the Catholic News Agency. she's moved on to Fox News as a lifestyle reporter, and she did a great job ranking them at the time. But it's a new year, and there are some new sandwiches on the menu, perhaps. And for this year's list of the best Lenten fish sandwiches for Friday, and of course, they're available at other times during the year, we're going to turn to the analysis, and I do mean analysis, from Brendan Hodge from The Pillar. Now, he's a contributing editor at the pillar and he has a background in this believe it or not he has a background in pricing data analytics and he actually worked for wendy's and they're they're one of the contenders here for best fish sandwich of 2023 so he were, actually worked for wendy's corporate office from 2010 to 2012 and so he this was this is what he did for a living and i want to sort of share with you what he said about these Lenten sandwiches. And producer Jim, do you have a little music for me? Or what? What's
1: Give me back that o
2: fish. Give me that fish. <laughs> Give me back that o fish. Give me that fish. Uh, what if it were you hanging up on this wall? If it were you in that sandwich, you wouldn't be laughing.
0: Okay. At all. Uh, Jim, Any day is what a it? great day for a filet fish. Okay, right. so this is a filet of fish commercial. Wow, from days gone by. What year did this come out, Jim? Do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember. Wow, it's been I, at least I, I, I've never 15, heard that 20 one. 20 years. Wow, that's, that's and there's a fish mounted
2: on the wall, and he's you know singing the song, and there's a guy eating his fish, and it's it's pretty funny. But <laughs> I, I don't love know it. Where McDonald's fish uh, is on the list. But we're going to uh, find out. We're yeah, gonna we
0: will. We're, we're, we're going to find out, and this is um, this is a, a really good question to ask. And Brendan Hodge says, look. How do these, he really, because his background in the fast food industry, he adds a new wrinkle that we've really never thought of before when doing these rankings. How do these products, these fish sandwiches stack up against the everyday fare that you would get at fast food restaurants, hamburgers, chicken sandwiches? And here's another question that he asks, is it, is the fish sandwich a Lenten indulgence? Or can you actually maybe save some cash on this, and, and you could maybe give the the rest to the poor? And here, this is this is also a crucial question for a lot of people to ask on days of uh, abstinence and fasting. So Good Friday is coming up, of course. And so one question that people have is: is a fast food fish sandwich? Try saying that three times fast. Is that more like your one normal size meal, or? Is it closer to one of the two small meals when taken together would not exceed the size of the main meal? Well, that's a very good question, actually. A lot of people probably are salivating here, not even just thinking about the fish sandwiches, but uh, they want to know the answer to that question. So what's really cool about this is that Brendan Hodge kind of takes us behind the curtain, and I'm not sure we really want to go there, actually. He tells us how the fast food industry really works. This is kind of inside baseball, if you will. And he, here's what they actually call themselves in the industry. They don't call themselves fast food restaurants. They call themselves QSRs, which means quick service restaurants. So if you really want to impress somebody, oh, uh, hey, you guys are the best QSR. I don't know. Talk to the manager. Just, I don't know. But there are basically two types of sandwiches at QSRs or fast food joints. Premium offerings, premium sandwiches, and what they call value sandwiches, so, the value sandwiches, as their name would imply, are less expensive. They're smaller. Uh, they don't usually pack as much within. Uh, they cost the restaurant less to produce, too. But that kind of cuts both ways. It's cheaper for the customer, but it's also lower margin for the restaurant in terms of sales. But yeah, they, there's, this, there's a lot of science, as you might expect, that goes into this. When you think about the production line and, and, and how fast food production is down to a science within the actual franchise location. It's certainly true, they've got the profits all lined up as well. And one of the things that uh, Brandon Hodge says is that, Brendan Hodge, excuse me, is that what, what they actually do is they wanna make sure that the food cost in a fast food restaurant is down to one third of its revenue. You have to have that in order to make a profit. You still have to pay people's wages, rent costs, location costs, there's always a franchise fee involved as well. So, why do if value sandwiches don't, don't offer as much profit for locations? Why are they even offered at all? Well, people have various needs, and more people buy them if you have more variety on the menu. Some people are really price, price conscious, or, and he gives the example of a van, a, a mom or a dad driving a van full of kids who just come from a soccer game. You're in the McDonald's drive thru, for example. And you, you just buy all the kids' value sandwiches. So that would be the McDouble in the case of McDonald's, or one of their other items like the McChicken. And maybe the driver buys themselves one of the premium meals. You know, hey, um, if you're in Canada, you can actually get the Chicken Big Mac. Not today though, because it's Friday. But you can still get them. But that would be sinful. Uh, one of the premium offerings, in other words. So there's a big difference there. So more examples of these value sandwiches: McDonald's chickens. Uh, Sandwiches, as I mentioned, the McDouble, Wendy's Jr. Cheeseburgers, Double Stacks, the Burger King Chicken Jr., and the Bacon Cheeseburger. So uh, the value chicken sandwiches usually, like a McChicken, will have a chopped, as he says, a chopped and formed chicken patty. It kind of makes them like a large, flat chicken nugget. That's what it kind of looks and feels like. And that's exactly what the Chicken Big Mac has, only in Canada, again. With with apologies to Taco Bell, you might want to make a run for the border to get one, a run for the Canadian border, that is. Uh, They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I'm sure that they'll get to the States eventually, which is the test market probably. But um, premium sandwiches, obviously, they're bigger. They, They retail for more. They're usually $4 or more by themselves. Obviously, restaurants, the QSRs, the quick service restaurants, they want you to get the combo because margins on the drinks and the fries are huge. So, all right. Now, that is all kind of background here to the question of fish sandwiches. But just a couple of anomalies in the industry, though, that I hadn't really consciously thought of. Chick-fil-A, love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A only sells premium sandwiches. There are no value offerings at Chick-fil-A. White Castle, if you remember, (laughs) Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. White Castle, I'm not recommending that movie. I'm just, I remember that, that title. White Castle only has value sandwiches. You can't get anything expensive at White Castle. So it's the other end of the spectrum there. So, all right. Let's figure out how the fish sandwiches work into all of this. And you can call in. Let me, let me know what your favorite is. triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. 9149 So all of the QSR chains that were covered by Brendan Hodge in this article, all of them priced their fish sandwiches in the premium range. So they were all kind of right up there with, I don't know, the big bacon classic, that kind of thing. But... The fish sandwiches were actually lower in calories than the other premium sandwiches of made of chicken or beef. And they're also lower in protein. So there, there you have it. So there is some profitability there. There's some profitability there. He, he talked to some friends who still work in the industry and they said, look, in terms of the actual raw cost of materials, fish sandwiches actually cost the restaurants a lot less than, say, chicken sandwiches to make. So they they love it when Catholics come to eat there during Lent. They're not anti-Catholic at all because they're making huge profit margins. I don't know about huge, but they're certainly making more profit on the lenten fish sandwiches. And some of them are just seasonal. Sometimes some uh, some uh, some of these chains only offer their fish sandwiches during Lent. So let's talk about White Castle really quick. And he kind of he kind of breaks them up by the way into tiers. He gives out awards for taste, what's the most filling, but he kind, of, he kind of puts them in tiers. And so it's a different kind of ranking. He doesn't rank them from, say, 1 to 10. He, he ranks them in terms of tiers. So it's kind of interesting. So before we get into that, uh, White Castle has something called the Panko Fish Slider. So it's pretty small. It's only $2.29. It only has 10 grams of protein, 320 calories. So there you go. That's the White Castle offering. And we'll move on from that. So let's go to the awards here. Brandon Hodge comes up with four fish sandwiches for 2023. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. It's a Lenten Friday, so this is a very apropos. The most filling, the most filling fish sandwich for your dollar is the flounder fish sandwich of Popeyes. 26 grams of protein for four dollars and ninety nine cents US. So that that is equal the value of a premium chicken. Sandwich. And also for bonus points, he says if you really look at the old Popeyes logo, and obviously this is radio, this is an audio program, you will be listening on podcasts. We can't show you this, but you'll have to look it up. The old Popeyes logo, when you actually spell it out, it looks like it's saying Pope Yes. P O P E Y E S. That's how you spell Popeyes. But it also spells Pope Yes. So it's totally Catholic. It's totally Catholic. <laughs> and uh it's true i never noticed that before so what a great choice for catholics and in fact uh, back when christine roussel did did the rankings for us and she had tried them all actually popeyes won popeyes was number one on her list for, for the best overall now what's interesting is that brendan hodge he didn't actually get to try the popeyes um, flounder fish sandwich because they had actually run out they were so popular when he got to his local popeyes he was kind of doing the test all in one day he kind of hit all these restaurants and he would eat half the sandwich and then he'd like write a little review of it, make notes on it, and then go to the next restaurant. So he kind of did it all in one day. And unfortunately, when he went to Popeye's, they had sold out. So maybe that's a good sign. But I think this kind of taints the rankings a little bit because he doesn't, he doesn't actually get to tell us what he thought of the taste. Anyways, he might have to uh, rectify that on his own. So in, in terms of taste testing all of these, he, he, put, he puts them in tiers. There's a bottom tier, and then there is a top tier. So here's the bottom tier, according to Brendan Hodge. This is, these are not my rankings, so some of you guys might disagree. Your mileage may vary. Uh, unfortunately for you McDonald's fans, at the bottom, he ranks the filet fish So the filet fish is, is is his absolute... You know, in terms of the the premium fish sandwiches out there, it is number two in the bottom tier, and there's only two choices. So I guess it finishes dead last. So here's what he says about... That, and by the way, the number one ranking in the bottom tier was the uh, Burger King Big Fish, the BK Big Fish. And he says this, this is Brendan Hodge talking, quote, these two were relatively similar in that the dominating tastes were the bready sweetness of the bun and the tartar sauce. So that's kind of all he could taste was the bun and the tartar sauce. So the fish was not exactly the star of the show here. But he said, if you have to pick between the two, go for the BK Big Fish because it is bigger than the Filet-O-Fish, <laughs> uh, which, is, which looks pretty tiny when, it, when you open the McDonald's box. Now, it actually has the, the, the lowest calories of any of these fish sandwiches, so if you're calorie conscious, you might want to be thinking about that, but that's because it is smaller. That's, that's probably why. So he says that the McDonald's filet fish is actually closer to one of those value sandwiches, kind of the, the value menu pick items that, that a lot of these restaurants have. It's kind of closer to that than a premium size offering if you're looking purely at the size of it. However, however, if this Good Friday question comes into your mind, he says it's probably small enough that you could pass it off as one of the small meals on Good Friday, maybe. 888-914-9149, Scale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So there you go. What about the top tier? What about the top tier? His ultimate rankings for fish sandwiches of 2023. This is Brendan Hodge writing in The Pillar. So he he ranks a few of them, and number three, number three in the top tier is the Arby's Crispy Fish Sandwich. The Arby's Crispy Fish Sandwich. He says the Arby's Filet is a long rectangle. It's rather than a standard square piece of fish, it's a rectangle, and it has a little bit more of a bite to it. It doesn't fall apart while you're eating it, and Arby's does not smother the sandwich in tartar sauce, so the taste of fish is more dominant. So that's the number three offering. Let's go up to number two in the top tier. Get close to a winner here. And number two was the Wendy's Crispy Panko Fish Sandwich. Now, I'm assuming that this is an—now, he used to work for Wendy's, so maybe he's given them some extra—I don't know. Maybe they slipped him a, a fish sandwich. I don't know, no, no. No, I'm sure this is objective by Brendan Hodge, so he's a, he's a legitimate journalist, so— the windy sandwich, the crispy panko fish sandwich, is, he says, a more satisfying size. The breading is flavorful, as is the fish. You got to love panko. I love panko coatings and stuff. The texture is great, with very flaky fish inside in crisp breading. So there you go. It seems to have some, looking at the picture here, it seems to have some pickles here on it as well. So that was the number two ranking in the top tier of fish sandwiches. Well, what is number one? What takes the grand prize? What's the catch of the day? According to Brendan Hodge, the very best tasting fast food fish sandwich was the, are you ready for it, drum roll, North Atlantic Cod Filet at Culver's. Culver's. I I like Culver's. I had Culver's for the first time. Last time I was in Chicago uh, for relevant radio meetings, and I'd never been to Culver's before, and i got to say, I loved it. I loved it. I just had the burger there, but hey, if I come back during Lent, I'm definitely going to grab the North Atlantic Cod Filet. So here's how he describes this. He says, Culver's offers a substantial, long, and blocky piece of fish on a butter-toasted bun. Wow, I'm getting really hungry talking about this. There's just a small amount of tartar sauce, some lettuce, and I'm even willing to forgive, he says, the odd choice of adding a bit of shredded cheddar cheese. The breading was crisp, the fish was flaky. Now, the Culver's offering, he says, will not compete with the fish and chips at your local pub or even... What you might find at the parishes, Knights of Columbus Fish Fry on a Friday night. But in the world of QSR fish sandwiches, quick service restaurants, it's ahead of the school. So how about that? So he ranks Culver's number one in his top tier. But again, I'm going to put an asterisk uh, by this, uh, just as uh, one might put one by Barry Bonds' home run record. Uh, he did not actually try the Popeye sandwich, so which came in number one the last time we did this. So... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can fully accept his results. But, hey, there's only one way to find out. you got to try them all and report back. And, and maybe you already know what your favorite one is. I'd love to hear about it, uh, 888-914-9149. Let's go real quick to Paul in Youngstown, Ohio. Hi, Paul.
2: Hi, Cale. Um, I'm
1: partial to the McDonald's Fish Filet, also the Subway Tuna Sandwich. Uh, and my own specialty, which I make a lot, is a sardine sandwich. Oh, a sardine sandwich. I just serve a can sandwich. of sardines, wrap them on bread, sardines, and mustard, Wow! and then uh, season it. And uh, it makes a good sandwich.
0: Well, that, that, that does sound pretty tasty. Although, I, I, must, I must admit, I've never in my life, I've never had a sardine. I've never had a sardine. I don't know why I should try it, because I guess when I was a kid, I was kind of grossed out by the idea, but... There's nothing wrong with them. I, I I'm a little bit more brave now, so so maybe I'll try that, Paul. And uh, you'll have to send me your recipe. That was Paul in Youngstown, Ohio. Let's go now to Teresa in Walnut Creek, California. Hi, Teresa. Hi. You're in the car. Um, I can I'm, I can tell.
1: I'm running in from the yard because somebody turned on their lawnmower or something else. Mm. <laughs> so I okay. prefer McDonald's fish fillets, but I always added second patty and extra sauce on it. Um, I just love idea. the taste of it, and it just it makes it very filling. But
0: <laughs> I also know, like that. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh, I also like that McDonald's was the very first um, chain to add fish fillets, and they did it specifically for topics, So I yeah. kind of patronized them for that.
0: Well, there you go. And, and, and you sometimes forget that you can kind of make it your way. Uh, to steal a line from another establishment and, and you you can get it done your way. You can ask for that extra patty. yeah of course they're going to charge you for it, probably, but why not? Why not double it up? Because it is that one is kind of a small sandwich too, and, and you're right, McDonald's was the first to recognize this serving the Catholic market. Hey, and Catholics in Lent eat a lot of fish sandwiches on friday that's it's, it's it's a pretty big Tam or total addressable market, if you will. So why not go for it? And like like I said earlier, as Brandon Hodge reported, the margins on fish sandwiches are actually better for the restaurant, so it makes good business sense to do it as well. So uh, they're, they're happy to see Catholics come into their restaurants on Friday. Well, if you hit the drive-thru, just tell them I sent you, and I'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show, 888 9149 Oh, Nancy Pelosi, she's at it again. We'll explain after the break. Hi, this is Cale Clark. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. They're a pro-life phone company and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. For a limited time, new customers who mention offer code Relevant Radio get a free phone with free activation and free shipping. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com.
1: Facts and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back to the program on this Friday. So good to be with you. Hey, just before the break, we were talking about what the best fish sandwiches are from QSRs, quick service restaurants, fast food joints, kind of ranked them. And the winner may have surprised a lot of people, but Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, he says that this year Culver's is the choice. And actually, we're going to go to the phones right now. Very related. Paul is in South Mississippi. Hi, Paul.
2: Hey, yeah. It's funny because we're as we're on our way to to uh, to a QSR to get our our evening meal. The family we're uh, hearing your your broadcast, and we pull in the parking lot, and we're waiting with bated breath to find out who's number one. <laughs> and we are uh, sitting outside our, our local Culvers, and uh, and I can tell you that uh, without a doubt, it is the best. Not, it's not even close. Wow. It, yeah, so uh, so if anybody from Culver's is listening, keep doing what you're doing because the the food there is 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 great. We we are regulars, and uh, um, if you haven't had the custard, it's really good too.
0: It is, it is. Yeah, like, like I said, I got to try it for the first time uh, a couple months ago in in the Chicago area, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I will definitely be back. I I really want to try the North Atlantic cod fillet, which is number one in the ranking. So there you go. There there. I was hoping that there'd be somebody in a drive-thru just waiting with bated breath to hear what the final results were of the top fish lenten sandwiches for this year. So Culver's takes the cake or takes the fish in this, in this case. And uh, hey, I got to try that. I got to try that. And um, I'll, 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 uh, I'll uh, propose to uh, Justin Trudeau that I will send one chicken Big Mac in exchange to the United States for one Culver's Atlantic cod sandwich. And, and by the way, President Biden was in Canada. I'm going to talk about that later. He was in Canada the uh, last couple of days. So not without some uh, social media controversy, as you might expect, as you might expect. But we'll get into that next week. And what we, ha- what we want to talk about now is um, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, showed up at Georgetown University yesterday. And uh, Georgetown, we're going to have some March Madness talk later. Sister Jean, Sister Jean Dolores from the Loyola of Chicago Ramblers, uh, the team chaplain. She's over a hundred years old now Stop by relevant radio today. And she was obviously a heroine of the final four back in 2018 national celebrity. So we'll have some March madness talk. One of the, one of the Catholic teams that has won this tournament, of course, in the past is Georgetown in the glory days of Patrick Ewing. Not anymore though. Uh, they didn't make the tournament this year. And, uh, Nancy Pelosi did show up on campus yesterday uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. And that was for um, the Georgetown University Center on Faith and Justice. Uh, they started this inaugural conversations uh, with public figures in a new series called Higher Calling. Political leaders, public servants uh, are invited to the university to speak about faith and ethics in their lives. And so uh, former U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi was there yesterday. And uh, I read a piece on this uh, that was written in uh, the National Catholic Reporter online by Aleah Hertz, Hertzler McCain, and uh, very uh, interesting quotes. We, we need to pray for Nancy Pelosi. Um, Got to keep praying for her. One of the things that she said was when she was growing up, she was actually more attracted to the idea of being a priest rather than being a nun. Why? Because here's what she said, quote, turning bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, that is real power, end of quote. Oh, man, that just, that kind of gave me the chills a little bit reading that. I, I don't know in what tone she said that, but uh, that, that's, that's pretty disturbing. Obviously, the priesthood is, is there's certainly powers associated with the priesthood, the power to confect the sacraments, the Eucharist, obviously, but it's power to serve, uh, not power to lord it over people. And I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's where she was coming from, but she did say this as well, kind of expanding on this uh, idea. She said, "Quote: Maybe one day, women will be able to do that as well." And she went on to express hope that Pope Francis will allow women's ordination. Well, he he will not, and he can't. It's not possible, and that that ground has been been covered. Um, but that doesn't mean my, I, I, the tragedy here. And obviously, I'm a guy, so there's only so much I can say to this in a certain sense. Although I, everyone's opinion matters, but it, it's it, it seems as if I just don't understand how why why it, it's it's a confusion between one's value in Christ and one's role in the body of Christ. This is what's going on here, because. Um, As St. Paul says uh, in in one of his letters, he says, In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. What does he mean by that? He's simply meaning that our status is the same in Christ, but our roles are different, and they always will be. Uh, Some years ago, and and sadly this book is out of print, but I I hope it comes back into print, because it's a really interesting reflection on the priesthood. And it was written by... Uh, Dr. Peter Craift, a friend of the program, and also Dr. Alice von Hildebrand, who recently passed away. And she kind of gave a a woman's perspective on this issue of women in the priesthood and uh, why she thought that was not a good idea, even if it were possible. And and Peter Craift very famously said, this is very quotable, it might be a little flip to some, but he said, only boys can be the daddies and only girls can be the mommies. And someone questioned that in today's culture, obviously, but um, the point remains. And so we have different roles in the body. And there's no doubt. There are a lot of great uh, women theologians. Some of them would probably preach far greater homilies than than a lot of male priests or bishops out there or deacons. But that's not the point of it. Um, Christ, the divine bridegroom, the priest stands in his place. The church is collectively his bride. It would confuse the imagery, number one. There are a lot of reasons for this. And, and Pope John Paul II very famously uh, laid out a lot of this and talked about it uh, during his papacy. But what what was going on here, who she was speaking to, by the way, uh, Nancy Pelosi was talking to uh, the Reverend Jim Wallace, who's the director of the Georgetown University Center on Faith and Justice, uh, having this conversation with him. She also answered a lot of questions from people in the audience. And Jim Wallace and one of the Georgetown students who were there, they both asked her about her confrontation, many of the confrontations that she's had over the years with U.S. bishops, and of course, in May of last year, in 2022, the Archbishop of San Francisco, which is her home diocese, Salvatore Cordelione, he actually declared and and issued a, a promulgation that Nancy Pelosi cannot receive communion in that archdiocese unless she publicly renounces her support for abortion and goes to confession now Pelosi has I don't know if she's I don't know if there's any sightings of her receiving communion in San Francisco but she has continued to receive the Eucharist in Washington DC where she's apparently that's the bishop there does not have, have an issue with it. it must know about it of course um, anyway so Archbishop Salvatore Cordellione was a guest on our, on our show in the past he's a great friend of the program And recently he came back on Relevant Radio to talk about this around the time when he issued this directive for the good of Nancy Pelosi's soul in an attempt to try to wake her up spiritually. Here's what he said when he was on the Drew Mariani show on Relevant Radio. Check this out.
2: I want to engage people in, in prayer and fasting. We need to pray and fast and reclaim this penitential discipline as well along with our prayer. And then to show the speaker that there are people out there praying and sacrificing for her, which is authentic love for her and the rosary uh, rose as, as a symbol of that. But uh, she continued this um, kind of very uh, aggressive and extremist uh, abortion position. And I tried many times to, to speak with her about it and was not able to. I finally, uh, first of all, I want to say I, I did not want to reveal this, any any of this to the public. I mean, these are, or right, private matters and I feel a little uncomfortable doing so right. but I, I felt I had to do so so people could understand the, the context and the background of this so I did send her a letter in, in early April um, pointing this out in uh, the scandal and asking her to uh, to repudiate her position on abortion or uh, if not then not to refer to her Catholic faith in public and not to take Holy Communion um, so then I thought, well, when if I have to take action, what is the determining factor? Right. I knew she was going to communion, but I didn't take action then because it, no attention was being called to it. So it's something I really did not want to do. But then on, on May 4th, in a public context, she once again referred to herself as a devout Catholic and justifying abortion. So it was a direct violation of what I had asked her not to do. And I knew at that point I had to take this action. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's sad for me. I, I knew it was going to be misunderstood by many people. I knew they're going to use it as an opportunity to accuse me of being political, right. you know, going out of my lane and and all that. Uh, I was concerned about if people would be disruptive to our our masses or you know, attack us. And I knew it, for some of my priests it might be difficult for them with what some of the parishioners would be saying. But I'm despite all right. of that I'm grateful to God that he brought me to the point to where I can say I was absolutely certain in my conscience I had to do this. I struggled with this for very many years with my own prayer and fasting and consulting people with a range of perspectives that are my respect for their wisdom and integrity, pastoral sensitivity. So I struggled with it for a long time and I'm grateful as hard as it is that God brought me to the point to where I had absolute certainty in my conscience that I had to do it.
0: That was Archbishop Salvatore Codeleone on the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio uh, not too long ago, talking about the very difficult decision that he had to make for the good of Nancy Pelosi's soul and for the integrity of the Catholic faith to bar her from Holy Communion in his archdiocese, unless she publicly renounces her support for legalized abortion and goes to confession. But she's been stridently opposed to such ideas, and she kind of fired back at Georgetown University yesterday at Archbishop Cordelione. And this is this is what she said. She said that her parents, especially her mom, taught her about what she calls free will. She says, quote, God has given us a free will, and we have a moral responsibility to live up to that, end of quote. Well, no kidding, your mom was right about that, but but the free will is it's a two-edged sword because we can use it for sin, obviously. Uh, God didn't create us as robots, and sin is what happens when we turn away from the will of God. We have the responsibility to seek the truth, to know it, to love it, to do it. And this is what, it's interesting that she uses the term moral responsibility. And she also um, said specifically about Archbishop Cordelione, she said, quote, I figure that's his problem, not mine, because I had five children in six years and one week. End of quote. I have no idea what that has to do with uh, the moral issue of abortion. Okay, great. You've had children? Fantastic. That's great. Does, does that mean it's okay for you to support the, the death of, of preborn children? It doesn't seem to make any sense to me. She also said that U.S. Catholic bishops, quote, are willing to abandon the bulk of Catholic social teaching because of one thing. And that one thing, of course, she means uh, to, uh, to reference abortion. And uh, she also said, thank God for the nuns because they offset the bishops, end of quote. I have no idea what she's talking about there. She's obviously referencing some groups of nuns um, support. um, Actually, that was specifically referencing nuns who supported uh, Obamacare, the passage of the Affordable Care Act, uh, the attempted 2010 passage of that and some of these nuns were allegedly okay with the fact that abortion might have been part of the package um well let me introduce you to the sisters of life Uh, ms pelosi um, you might want to check with them um so some nuns are certainly with the bishops on this case in fact the vast majority anyways there's a whole bunch of uh, other stuff in the piece she criticized cordelione also for uh, supporting proposition 8 uh, to ban the recognition of same-sex marriages in california And she said this, quote, he's made it very clear, referring to Archbishop Cordelione, he's made it very clear, maybe we're not all God's children. Maybe we do not have a free will. Uh, Again, I I don't see the connection here. Um, We are, of course, all God's children in potentiality. Uh, We become his children through baptism, adopted children, of course. But God loves all people, wants them to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what the New Testament says. And so um, this has nothing to do with, with God's love for each person. If you love someone, you tell them the truth about who you are, about, who, about human dignity. And so anyways, she, she's confused about this. Um, she's been a big defender of LGBTQ plus rights. She calls it, quote, her joy. All God's children, she says, have their own dignity and worth. She's right about that their own individuality, their own authenticity, and that's a beautiful thing for us to embrace, end of quote. Well, they don't have uh, their own set of morality. Uh, Some things are against the moral law, universal moral law, always were. They are and they always will be. Um, And this is what uh, the Catechism is all about. Today on the Faith Explained show, I talked about the origins of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's 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 a legitimate... Um, reference source to the teaching of the church on really two things, faith and morals, what to believe and how to live. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And the truth is always true, even when it's unpopular. And, and anyway, so I, I think we obviously need to keep praying for, for Nancy Pelosi. Um, she's, <laughs> anytime somebody says this, this is this is a potential red flag, Um She talked about her own background, being somebody who was exposed to Catholic schools. She says, Between herself, her husband, their children, their grandchildren, her family collectively has more than 150 years of Catholic school teaching and education among us. End of quote. Okay, so you've been to the schools, but clearly you either weren't getting the the pure stream of Catholic teaching or you've chosen to kind of go in your own, go in your own way. She, she sounds a lot, an awful lot like a Protestant to me, just somebody who is essentially becoming a magisterium onto herself. I will agree with her about a couple of things she said at, at Georgetown yesterday, though. Um, a Chinese international student asked her about her trip to Taiwan recently, last August, when she was still the speaker. Uh, the Biden administration wasn't exactly sure that, that she should go there, but she did say, quote, I've been fighting against China for decades on human rights. Uh, end of quote. She she supported Tibet, Taiwan, Hong Kong, the Uyghur Muslim population that's been persecuted over there and 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 abused. And she also said that she had a quote little disagreement end of quote with Pope Francis over his efforts to negotiate with the Chinese government. And, and obviously, everybody, pretty much everybody at this point admits that the Vatican made a, a terrible deal. Um, with respect to the church in China and uh, this bilateral agreement that was entered into in 2018. And the government has an even more heavy hand now in involvement in the church, selecting Catholic bishops uh, outside of Vatican approval. And it's, it's not a great scenario at all. So um, I just find it ironic, her last statement, she she's talking about child poverty and hunger as well at Georgetown yesterday. She says that's motivated her throughout her career. She said, "Quote, you have to be prepared to take a punch. You have to be prepared to throw a punch for the children. Always for the children." End of quote. Well, it's not for all children apparently in her case and so we obviously still need to pray and offer sacrifices for her and pray for Archbishop Cordiglione. It took a lot of guts for him uh, to make that move publicly. I thought it showed great leadership. And uh, pastoral care also for her soul, that's what motivated him. He said he didn't want to go public with this, tried to tried to deal with it privately. Uh, nothing worked, and because she's a public figure, she was giving public scandal, and he felt he had no choice. So let's let's pray for everybody involved, and let's continue to support the work of Relevant Radio as we try to bring the pure truth of Catholicism and Christ to the world through the media. Okay, we got to take a quick break right now on the Cale Clark Show, but if you have a take on this, I uh, would love to hear it. 888-914-9149. And hey, call in. Maybe Nancy Pelosi, if you're listening, you can call in. Give me a stock tip. No, I'm only kidding. But uh, do call into the Cale Clark Show. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Kale Clark Show on this Friday, March 24th, 2023. Yeah, we're in the midst of March Madness. Sweet 16 concludes tonight, and by the end of the weekend, we'll have the Final Four all set in the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament uh, this year. And I don't know about you, but my bracket is almost totally busted. I, I don't have much left. I only have one Final Four team left. I still have my champion alive. I picked Houston to win it all, and be kind of poetic if they do win the national championship on April 3rd on CBS, because Jim Nance will be calling his last NCAA championship game, his last final four this year. He got his start broadcasting at the university of Houston. And of course the university of Houston at that point, when he was a young guy there, he actually was, uh, attending Houston at the same time as Fred couples who went on to win the masters. And Nance always says his finest moment as a broadcaster was calling his friend, uh, Couples winning the Masters, but uh, many Final Fours, many Super Bowls, and this is going to be his last NCAA National Basketball Championship. So it'll be kind of cool if his uh, home school of his uh, uh, Houston uh, Cougars win the national championship. I have them. I have them winning. I had them beating Purdue. Obviously, uh, that does not work out with them losing to the 16 seed. It's only happened once before, Fairly Dickinson. Ah, but uh, hey, speaking of the Final Four. Uh, One team that made it, uh, kind of a Cinderella story back in 2018, was Loyola University of Chicago, was the 11th seed, made the Final Four in 2018, went down in the national semifinal to my Michigan Wolverines. But Sister Jean Dolores, who was the team chaplain, kind of a legend at that school, became a media celebrity, international celebrity, and has just come out with a book. She is over 100 years old now, and she stopped by Morning Air on Relevant Radio earlier today Here's a little snippet of what you missed, if you didn't catch that.
2: Sister, at 103 years young, uh, what's the best
0: advice that you can give to uh, young people? There's so many life lessons that you've learned in these 100 plus years.
1: Well, first of all, I, I tell them that as they're discerning on what they're going to do in their lives, that they need to have quiet time. That everything isn't, you know, music, loud music and all that. They, they need to have quiet time. They need to set their goals. They need to be, have their values in order. And our students are very good about their values because they're attending a Jesuit institution where we say that we have to care for ourselves, we have to care for others, we're interested in social justice, in the right, that is in the right kind of social justice. And we have to have a a global aspect to help care care of society. Besides that, I told that when we go to their interviews, they should know how to to dress and how to uh, present themselves.
0: All right, the idea of quiet time, we, we can all appreciate that. We live in a fast-paced society, and there's there's precious little of that. So she is 100, 103 years old right now, Sister Jean. Wow, I mean, I hope I am that with it when I get to 103. If I make it that far, and uh, who knows? But wow, she is such an inspiration. She's got a new book out, and it is called Wake Up With Purpose, What I've Learned in My First 100 Years. And she was uh, speaking with John Morales on Morning Air earlier today on Relevant Radio. If you want the full interview... Uh, go to the Morning Air Show page on the Relevant Radio app and on RelevantRadio.com, and you can download it. So tonight, some good games coming up tonight. Uh, coming up, uh, it's already started, actually. San Diego State and Alabama in the South region. And then, of course, uh, tonight, I don't know, man. I'm tempted to cheer against the uh, the one remaining Catholic team. Uh, there's two remaining Catholic teams, sorry, that they are still in the tournament. Creighton, the Creighton Blue Jays are playing against... The 15th-ranked Princeton Tigers. That's right. The Ivy League school has pulled a couple of upsets already. And could they make it to the final eight? We'll find out tonight, 9 p.m. Oh, there's a fourth team. I'm way off on this. Xavier, the Musketeers, 9.45 p.m. They're playing against the Texas Longhorns. A three-seed against a two-seed. And number one, Houston, in the Midwest, is going to tip off against the Miami Hurricanes at 7.15 p.m. So... I had UCLA in the Final Four. They lost to the Zags yesterday, and, whew, didn't, didn't – uh, my bracket's pretty busted. I don't know about yours, but it's still fun to watch. Absolutely, March Madness uh, at this time of year. All right, let's go back to the phones right now. Let's go to Richard in West Covina, California. Hi, Richard.
2: Yeah, hello. Um, I, I, it's funny that you should bring this topic up because I was just at the barbershop, and I just typed in a paragraph on the Washington Examiner, and I just wanted to quickly paraphrase some of the thoughts that I expressed. Okay. Um, so um, I was saying that Archbishop Salvatore had done Nancy Pelosi a great service because um, if she receives the Holy Eucharist in a state of mortal sin, mm. she's committing a sacrilege. And I was just pointing out that she's well beyond the age of reason. And um, if she doubles down on spreading it to the society to society at large, and if she, um, you know, doesn't repent, uh, I mean, many saints have articulated sentiments yeah. that express when you do something like that, you're on par with a uh, Akin to Judas, and no uh, Christian Catholic wants to be in in that same uh, classification. So, Yeah. I was Richard, just expressing that salvatory. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, that's a great point. I'm just going to jump in there. That that's that's a really great point. In fact, uh, just just reading about this online as well, just some of the reaction to her statements at Georgetown. Um, one priest on Twitter had referenced Saint John Fisher, who was one of the martyrs of the English Reformation and he he once preached a homily st john fisher did and he he said that the first step on the road to perdition is by making yourself unavailable to grace unavailable to grace what what do you mean by that He meant being willfully blind and just just giving in to hardness of heart and that that's that's a very very dangerous place to be and so just listening to her talk to me that's where she, she seems to be she she just does not she doesn't seem to have the the humility to to really engage with what the church is saying here i, I just find it very arrogant she's all like i said she's become almost a magisterium unto herself and thinks that she knows better than holy mother church and that, that's a big mistake and so, I, I, we certainly do need to pray for conversion. She's not out of God's reach, and so many people are praying for her. Archbishop Cordelione and his Roses for Nancy campaign um, was really a, a big spearhead in that. So, uh, people care about her. They want her to, uh, to come back to the truth, and because uh, she, she affects so many people, she's in the public eye. And so, it's important that uh, she gets back on, on track for sure, uh, not only for her own sake, but for all the people who are swayed by what she may have to say, and so this idea of hardness of heart, I know that was certainly true in the scriptures when it comes to Pharaoh, the time of the Exodus, and there's always this great debate, did he harden his own heart, or did God harden his heart? We talked about that a lot on the Exodus series on the Faith Explained program. It's the other show I host daily on Relevant Radio, 1230 p.m. Central, and actually on Monday, it's going to be the conclusion of our Exodus series, and you're not going to want to miss that. It's been... It's been a lot of fun for me. I, I really enjoyed the deep dive into the book of Exodus and just kind of giving people that that foundation. And myself too. I mean, I learned so much through it. We're going to conclude the book of Exodus, and, and I think you'll find it um, hopefully educational. So check that out, twelve thirty central on Monday on Relevant Radio. If you missed anything in that series, do please do uh, check the podcasts on the Relevant Radio app. And it's kind of interesting speaking of, of women in the faith and. and Uh, the feminine genius, and Exodus really has a lot to do with that. The book starts off with these two Hebrew midwives who refuse to obey Pharaoh, refuse to kill the infant children. This question of abortion, it's so similar to that. Uh, They refuse to do it because they fear the God. They didn't even know who God was at that point because God seemed to have left them. He shows up in a big way, reveals himself to Moses, I am with you. And at the very end of the the book, there are these these Hebrew women who are serving in the tabernacle, and it's kind of come full circle. And of course, Mary herself, a living tabernacle with Christ within. And so, lots to share with you. Hopefully that teaser got you interested. So join me on Monday for the Faith Explained 1230 Central. This has been the Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Haylock took your phone calls. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned to Relevant Radio for Timmery and Father Rocky and the Rosary. Take it away, Michaela.
2: Thank you for listening to my daddy.